0: Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this podcast, Reaching the Unchurched, 12 Dynamics for Impact. Today we have some great challenges facing the church, and as we begin this journey of these 12 Dynamics for Impact, I want to begin thinking a little bit about where we are and who we are and where we're going. And in this first session... This episode is uh, described as uh, find your compass to navigate your spiritual future, and that's exactly what I pray will happen in this process. To reach the unchurched, we find our compass to find our spiritual future, our mission future. So where are you right now? Look around. Identify where you are. What are you doing? Listening to my voice, I hope. Your brain is engaging in the subject, I pray. Listening more passively, perhaps. Perhaps you're writing down ideas, or perhaps you're riding in a car or something like that where you can't write anything down. But I want you to think about our subject. How do we reach unchurched people effectively? How are we going to reach these people? If you're able to write, then think about this and write down this word room or office. Don't write if you're driving. But write down how you describe where you are. And next to that, write the word atmosphere. So you're someplace, and you're in some atmosphere. And my question is, what if the atmosphere changed? Would it change what you do? For example, what if the temperature suddenly changed to 120 degrees? What if you're in the dark, and there are lights on? And what would happen if the lights went out? Or what would happen if you had a atmospheric change and the oxygen was reduced by 80%? Would that have any impact on what you are doing right now, how you are listening? You see, Jesus did something very unique that not many people talk about. What he did literally with his disciples and all those effective disciples after him for 21 centuries. What he did, if we get it, is he changed the atmosphere. So next to the word atmosphere, if you're able to write, write down the words kingdom of God. Because with those words, he describes so many things to his disciples and to us. And those words, kingdom of God, replace the atmosphere of the rarefied air of the kingdom of God. And that's interesting because this kingdom of God, this new atmosphere, when breathed in and operated correctly, is an amazing movement. The Christian movement, the greatest and long-lasting movement in the history of the planet. How did Jesus do this with 12 guys, 12 ordinary men, and several others beyond those first 12, many men and women in his time and many who were impacted by many others down through the ages. How did he start out? Well, three years telling stories. He was a storyteller called parables, and they were stories about his kingdom. And then he said once in a while, but my kingdom is not anything like this world. And what he did through that process, through that kingdom, through that atmospheric change is... He basically imprinted them with kingdom DNA, and he helped them to preach kingdom DNA, and he helped them to practice kingdom DNA. Kingdom DNA was not what they had to do to grow the kingdom. It was a lot more about who they were and who they became. Nobody would argue. These people became different people in every aspect. They became kingdom people. Quite truthfully, Jesus never told them how to grow the church. There was no manual. He just told them to make disciples. Or is that how we are supposed to grow the church? I've written about some of this that I'm going to share with you in my book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. I'm grateful that has helped many people. And beyond what Jesus did in kingdom culture, Paul, who caught that culture in a different way on the road to Damascus, in Ephesians 4, Paul wrote that the primary work of church leaders are to equip God's people for the work of ministry. He doesn't say that these key leaders, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that are supposed to equip God's people, he didn't say that those people are to do ministry. He said they are to equip people to do the work of ministry. They are to make disciples, they are to multiply themselves. Ah. The key to a movement. That's kingdom atmosphere. In fact, Jesus actually said nothing about building his church directly. In fact, he said to his disciples, I will build my church. He never told them to build the church, he told them to make disciples. Hmm. Interesting. I have a question, very personal question for you. Can you ask God to change your worldview about reaching the unchurched? Can you believe? will you believe, with God's help, that if you did, if you did change that worldview and got closer to this kingdom of God atmosphere with your church, what Jesus did to his disciples, can you grasp, can you believe that your church would experience exponential growth, a literal movement, explosion of growth in the good sense? Well, there's a lot of folks that might not because a lot of churches are stuck in a rut because they're feeding Christian consumerism. But the truth is, it's not about what you do. It's all about who you become. Why is this important? Why is this such a big deal? Well, the culture of the kingdom is your compass to find your way when you're lost. And I don't mean this to be negative or condescending, but as I consult a few thousand churches in the last few years, and as our other consultants also work with other churches, it almost definitely seems like there are many Christians who have lost the culture of the kingdom, have lost the compass, or need the compass. And I don't mean that they're lost spiritually. There are some, of course, that have gone off the wagon from what the Bible teaches, but I'm talking about those who love the Lord, trust the Bible, follow the Scripture, at least theoretically, and they're not lost spiritually, but they're lost missionally. In fact, many churches in this concept are lost missionally, not spiritually, but in mission strategy. Let me explain. Not long ago, I was watching a, a college football game, Notre Dame versus USC. Notre Dame was uh, a team that was 11-0. and 0. They were rated in the top 10 in the nation, and they had a shot at the playoffs. The other team, USC, uh, University of Southern California, a rival for sure, not ranked. But in the first half, USC pounded Notre Dame. They had the lead at halftime. At halftime, a uh, commentator caught up with the coach of Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, and before going in the locker room, asked him, what do you think of the first half? How do you think your team did? No one expected you to be behind. And Coach Kelly just smiled and he said calmly, something like, oh, we'll be fine. USC played really well this half. We're going to make some adjustments in the locker room at halftime, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, Notre Dame was fine, all right. (laughs) They won. It was a great game. They played well that second half. They did make some adjustments. And the bottom line, they adapted. They listened to an adaptive leader who adapted to changing circumstances. And they won the game. Christianity is not a game. We want to win the world, of course. We want to win people for Jesus. Jesus wants people one for him. And what we're talking about here is a compass that helps us to become adaptive leaders, to practice adaptive leadership. Because in the church without adaptive leadership, I'm sorry to say you're doomed, like many churches are, and many leaders are. I'm painfully sad to say. Your church will age, it will decline, it will die. Many have, many more will. There are two axioms for effectiveness in the church. Never lose the fundamentals of Scripture and adapt strategies whenever you find yourself in unfamiliar territory. You see, we are in unfamiliar territory. What is it? It's unfamiliar territory for Christians and church leaders today. We look around and we know we're marginalized in our society. Christians are surrounded by secular people everywhere, a secular nation. These are people, many of them, with no Christian memory. The Bible would call them lost. And so this is unfamiliar territory. If you're more than a few decades old, you remember a time when it wasn't so unfamiliar. And so let me just stop here and give a little example of one little piece of this complex, unfamiliar territory that requires adaptive leadership. And that one example would be this. What is the platform for reaching unchurched people? Well, it used to be invite someone to church. And then after a while, not too long ago, it became, no, don't invite someone to church, bring someone to church. Today, in this mission field, it is, oh no, 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 you're way premature don't even bring somebody to church. Why would they worship a God they don't believe in or ever did? No. Now it's the strategy, take church to people. And if you don't get that, you're going to lose. An adaptive leader will say, oh, we've got to turn this whole thing around. We've got to look at this all differently. We're on a mission field. And that requires rearranged strategies. And that only comes from adaptive leaders. So as we continue... We want to share with you, I want to share with you just a little bit about what brought me, what brought Church Doctor Ministries, our whole team, all of our people, to this point in history where we can passionately and truthfully and with confidence share with you what you're going to hear in this podcast over the next episodes. You see, it's been 16, almost 17 years now going on of research of all kinds in churches, up to our armpits in challenges that churches face. Also, researching missiology, the study of missions going back all through history. When is a church grown? How is a church grown? Where is a church adapted? How is a church adapted? Not only that, but we've discovered that in a country somewhat like ours, England, the cathedrals, eh, they're pretty empty. Some are closed. The Church of England uh, pretty well has been. Sorry to say, a few old people worshiping in cold, damp, big, beautiful buildings from another century, but alive, reaching people for Jesus, not really. But then within that context, there are, I don't know, maybe two or three hundred churches that have had adaptive leaders that have zeroed in on Scripture solid as a rock, still very firm on scripture. But one other very important aspect, they have adapted strategies to reach people in a secularized nation. And that started to occur about, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, give or take a few. And these people have now got that under their belt, more than a couple decades going on three of adapting and continuing to adapt and readapt and fine tune. And we can learn from those people. And for the last 16 years, going on 17, we have taken small groups of no more than 20 pastors, church leaders, interested Christians, to 12 days to England, where we have visited these leaders with whom we've made great friends, and they are so gracious and give us so much. And in 12 very, very overwhelming days, it just blows the minds of people who see and feel and experience something that really is hard to teach. It's too academic to teach it. You got to experience it. I think that's why Jesus had disciples and didn't start a seminary. But once you experience it, and 12 days is plenty, you just leave a different person because you have seen it in action, Eh, just like the disciples did. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Revival churches in a secularized nation at the total opposite end of the spectrum of all those great and mighty cathedrals and age-old churches that are almost gone. Well, that plus we've been busy interviewing about, oh, I don't know, maybe 5,000 people one-on-one in churches here in America, tapping and searching and listening and taking notes and helping them with concepts and ideas and strategies to change their churches, and seeing some of those churches have tremendous tremendous effectiveness at ministry in a slow but continued process. Change is hard. Change takes time. And in that process, we've sent out among those people in those churches that we've worked with about 15,000 or more surveys, giving us millions of bytes to deal with and to extrapolate and to compare with one another and to begin to see trends and to see how changes take place. Meanwhile, we've been deep into the scripture, just pouring ourselves over scripture, letting the Holy Spirit speak to us and learning new insights, because this context that we're in of both England and here, and seeing the challenges and seeing the results, and seeing the the mission opportunities and the adaptive strategies, and then immersing that in the scripture and saying, Wow. You can see this there in Scripture. You can see it in the New Testament. But again, just reading it is kind of academic, and you do, like most people, like us, need someone to take your hand and show you the path. And in a little bit of, just a little way, that's what this podcast is all about. As we track results in the churches that we're working with, we are beyond excited. We are beyond thrilled. We are praising God for beyond anything we can explain. We have more to learn, of course, and we'll never stop. And everything we learn, we want to pass on because we're a ministry dedicated to helping Christians and churches become more effective at making disciples and turning churches around. And we just praise God for what he does. We're just humble servants. We're just eager disciples. You know, Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but let God transform you by a complete renewal of your mind. That is the way you think. Let God be your compass. Let God transform your direction. Transforming the Christian movement from decline to growth, from marginalization and puny effectiveness to major impact. And come on, do you think our nation could use that? Do you think our world needs the church to step up and step out right now? Well, it has a lot to do with the way you think about the church. It has a lot to do with the way you think about reaching unchurched. It has a lot to do with the way you think about your world. If you, uh, are in a place where you can write, I want you to write one more thing, write down your city, your town, your county, your state, your nation, whatever you want to write down that describes your place right now. And then next to that, write down mission field. And after that, put just like Burma, just like Ghana, just like any other place in the world. If you can remember back or ask someone older than you to remember back to 1980, research shows and history shows that back in 1980, (laughs) it seemed like a long time ago, America was declared the third largest mission field in the world behind China with all of its people and India, number two, with all of its people, and a Hindu nation at that, at least officially. And then, number three, on the pagan chart, the United States of America. And I was pretty young back then, but boy, that's that a wake-up call. And I'd like to give that wake-up call to every pastor, every church member, anybody that cares a lick about the church and has a love for Jesus and a love for lost people. And think that it's really wonderful that people know Jesus. And it makes a big difference in your life. I mentioned India a few moments ago. Here's something I want to share from Mahatma Gandhi. It uh, wasn't necessarily directed about Christianity, but it was about the deterioration of a nation. Think about this when you look at the United States or your country if you're somewhere else. Mahatma Gandhi said the seven deadly sins are politics without principles. Wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, worship without sacrifice, science without humanity. Does that at all sound familiar? Oh, man. Yeah, there are here in the U.S. and many so-called Christian nations where the church has lost the nation, if it ever had it. Here in the U.S., 80% of the churches in America are plateaued or declining or growing at a rate slower than their community. If you're in business, that would be called losing market share. If you're a kingdom person, it's like losing your mission, losing your purpose, losing your calling. I want to thank my friend Tom Rayner of LifeWay Research and his great writing for that statistic. You see... Here's a key and a silver lining. There's no hope without revival, and there's no revival without a transformation of the church, because if the church didn't need transformation, then the nation wouldn't need revival, or otherwise, you're into some weird thinking that there's something wrong with God. That's not the case. There is no transformation without adaptive leadership. There is no adaptive leadership without adaptive leaders. And there is no adaptive leaders, there are no adaptive leaders, without the compass of the kingdom, and the kingdom culture, and the mission focus to reach the lost. So we're talking about a personal worldview change. And so we like to ask people when we go to a church, anybody know a missionary, just raise your hand and... There's always a few people that raise their hand and we ask them, okay, uh, who do you know that's a missionary? And they'll tell us about somebody that's overseas somewhere in some foreign land and far away, and they've trained to be a missionary. And then we tell them to go home and look in a mirror. Yeah, ask that question in your church, if you're an adaptive leader, get the wheels turning, not in a negative or spiteful way or to make people feel bad, but let God get people's attention. Because, you know, the word missionary comes from the word mission, and that word translated from the original language is the word, the sent one, one that is sent. You'll remember John twenty twenty one, as the Father sent me, I send you. So now, if you can write, write the words church member, and next to that, write the word missionary. And you see, somehow we've lost this worldview. We think the mission field is somewhere over there, far away with people that are a lot different than us. And you know what? It is. It is over there, but it's also right here with people you rub shoulders with every single day. So in the United States, there is probably as a a result of the church's ineffectiveness and that impact on our society, there is in a great great measure a uh, reality that we have entered in the age of pessimism. That is hopelessness. So I'll tell you what, ask somebody who has no church background, doesn't show any sign of attending church regularly, not even Christmas or Easter or anything like that. Ask them, what do you think it'll be like for your grandchildren? Or if they're older people, just say your great-grandchildren. And then recognize that there are people that are hopeless And this is why the scripture says Jesus is the hope of the world, because when people are hopeless, oh, man, they're receptive. They're receptive. Don't let anybody give you the impression that people today in our secular society who don't know Jesus are not at all receptive. They are hungry for hope. And if you think of all the ways the New Testament talks about hope, and if you remember what it says in the Bible, Remember at all times to share the hope that is within you. Yeah, that was the recommendation to New Testament Christians among a bunch of people that weren't Christians. So write the words kingdom drift, kingdom culture drift. We need to move the drift from institutionalism back to movement, from programs back to lifestyle, from doing back to being a missionary and From that perspective, we will look at 12 dynamics for impact, starting with our next session. It's going to be a fun ride. I hope you'll stay with me. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. Available now wherever books are sold.